ברוך הבא. אורייט רבותיי, וולקאם. אצערב שבת, קודש. ואנחנו לא מגיעים לגדר לסטודי פרשת השבוע. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we made it to the end of Shemot, I mean, Parashat Pekudeh. And uh, just in case you didn't have enough of the Mishkan, the Torah will uh, serve us another beautiful main course. Pekudeh is primarily Mishkan again. Now, Baruch Hashem, good, good, good for the leap year that we were able to really pay attention to these Parashiyot. that uh, usually, not because the parashiyot are not rich, the Torah is rich uh, wherever, you, wherever you dig, it's that the, the, the one that's giving it over is poor. So therefore, we need to look for alternate stuff. But this year, Baruch Hashem, we went to all the parashiyot properly, and we, weren't, you know, we, didn't have a, a, we didn't have a choice to neglect it. The parashiyot are right in front of us. And this week again, it, normally you have the four parashiyot to go to. But this week there's no four parashiyot, there's a break, it's a bye week. Next week is Zachor, so this week is just Pekudeh. I, I understand if I wanted to, I could probably talk about Purim already, and, you know, after it is a Chodesh, but I don't want to ne- neglect Pekudeh. And it is a parashah class after all, and uh, although my contract doesn't say that I have to stick to the parashah, but nonetheless, I'm known to do more than my contract uh, obligates me. So I'm going to continue in that minhag. Anyway, just some ideas. This is referred to as the perashah of accounting. This is the reckoning of the mishkan. We made all the uh, collections, and now the people, uh, they want to know transparency. Where did the money go? And since Moshe Rabbeinu did it alone, he collected all the money, so therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu is honest. You know, he doesn't say, hey, I'm Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm gonna give a tra- I don't have to give a reckoning. You gotta trust me. Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, I'm gonna put everything out on the table. And he goes, you know, piece by piece. Zahav, Kesef, Nehoshet, how much of this and how much of that. Uh, at one point, they, uh, he forgot certain items and they remembered where they put those and everything was, yeah, everything was, uh, You know, came out good. The accounting sheet uh, balanced at the end of the day. There wasn't an extra penny, there wasn't a less penny. Everything was perfect. And the Torah calls the Mishkan, Mishkan Ha'edut. It is the Mishkan of testimony. Okay, so the Mishkan is giving some sort of testimony of some sort of an item. I don't know exactly what it's testifying, but it's a testimony of something. So, Rashiach Kadosh comes along and says, Mishkan Ha'edut. עדות לישראל שוויתד להם הקדוש ברוך הוא על מעשה העגל. שהרי יש רעש שכינתו ביניהם. So the Mishkan is a testimony that God forgave us בחטא העגל. Why? שכינה is resting in our midst. And therefore that's a big testimony. Because חטא העגל was a big tragedy for כלל ישראל. And the Torah comes along and says, well, B'nai Yisrael went through a process of many days, 80 days of Moshe being in heaven, and then after Yom Kippur, building the Mishkan for three and a half months, and then finally inaugurating it, and the Shekhinah did come down, and the people knew at that point that really God, uh, it's an amazing thing that God forgave them. So we went from, leave me alone, Moshe, and I will destroy them in a second, and start a new nation. We went from that, extreme, you know, uh, dire situation, to viter lahem ala egel, and the Shekhinah is going to come down and rest in the Mishkan. Mamash, as they say, mina katseh ila katseh, from the, from one extreme to the other. It's amazing. And only in the, in the, in the Torah, it's only in a matter of a few parashiyot. Only question is that they ask on this Rashi, we have a rabbi called the Re'em, Now, the Re'em, 
Not Rabbi Eliyahu Mansur. That's Chamaruch used to call me the Re'em. Rabbi Eliyahu Mizrahi, who's one of the main commentators on Rashi. And he asks a very strong question. He says, what are you talking about that the Mishkan is a dut that God forgave us on the Egel? We got the Luchot Shiniyot. The first Luchot, what happened? Broke. God says, you can't get the Torah. The second Luchot came down, Moshe Rabbeinu. The fact that God gave us a second Luchot, shouldn't that be the testimony? That God vitel lahem ala egel? Why are you saying that the Mishkan is the edut? The Chaurah, Luchot Shiniyot is the edut shivitel lahem ala egel. It's a very, very strong question. I'll read it inside. Aval, ha-denatan lahem aluchot. Ah, he gave us to the eno edut. Why? Amazing thing. The reason why he gave us the Luchot, listen, God didn't want to push us away. There's two things here. There's one thing to say, all is good, and the relationship is fine, and we'll make believe it never happen. We kiss and make up. Or there's another in Yaz, say, listen, the relationship is not uh, where it was, but I'm not pushing you totally away. Kevan, Kevan shinit gayiru. B'nei Yisrael already at Matan Torah, they already, even before the Torah, when they came out of Mitzrayim, they had a deen of what? Gerim, b'kiblu alehem ol Torah mitzvot. They already started to accept upon themselves all Torah mitzvot, even before Matan Torah. In Mara, already they received some of the mitzvot. So B'nai Yisrael, already when they're coming out of Mitzrayim, they have a deen of Yisrael. And we have a law that says what? Yisrael, apal pi shechata Yisraelu. So therefore, there's no turning back. Once you are Yisrael, no matter what you do, you can't now undo your Yisrael status. So, wait, that's the point. That's the point, which means there's no option now that you can opt out from Torah. A guy cannot come along and say, listen, I'm not religious. They, they think that, that's, that, that that exempts them. That's their past. They say, oh, I'm not religious. Oh, you're not religious, so therefore it's okay for you. No, being not religious is just making you now a mezid for things that you're obligated in. You know, when we were young, used to have the, the boys, they would come along and say, oh yeah, I'm not sure men nigi'ah. And they were thinking that if you just say that you're not sure men nigi'ah, so now you're off the hook, exactly. Now, now you're bound by a different rule that nigi'ah doesn't apply. And they say the same thing, are you sure men shabbat? No, I'm not sure men shabbat. Oh, very good. So therefore you're part of a different rule. Or you hear the people, I eat out. Oh, so therefore you're not part of the, the rules. Not, not realizing that you don't have an option to opt out. You, you eat out, okay, fine. So there's going to be a consequence because of that. They think that it's just a verbal thing. You know, it's a verbal commitment. Are you in? You'll get reward. You know, I, I opted out. You don't have an option in Judaism to opt out. Once we became Yisrael, Yisrael shechata, even though we sinned, meaning even though we did the Egil, which is the both federal crime that you can commit. But guess what? Even Heta Egel, what's our status? Israelu. And therefore, there's no option not to give us the Torah. But that doesn't show that God loves us and forgave us for the Egel and the relationship is back. Exactly, which means the Torah on the contrary, which means, what do you think? Because we're going to do the Egel, therefore we become, we become what? We become atheists? And therefore, we're not, uh, no. It doesn't change our status whatsoever. There's no such thing as a person that can become a Mishumad and lose his Judaism. A guy comes along and says, I converted to uh, Christianity. I'm a Christian now. <laughs> Sorry to tell you, but uh, even though you have a cross on, and even though you became the Pope, and even though you're reading now only the New Testament, I don't want to break it to you. And even though they baptized you three times, you're still Jewish. As they say, once a Jew, always a Jew. And therefore, the Re'em comes along and says, the, fa- the fact that we got the Torah, 
that doesn't prove anything. All it proves is you're still Jewish. But we can be Jewish with God being angry at us. So therefore, Matan Torah doesn't prove Shevitel Lahim Alaegel. It might prove to you Israel Shechata Israelu. What proves to us that the Egel was forgiven? That already is Mishkan, Mishkan Because now the Shekinah came down. Now the Shekinah, God could come along and say, here's the Torah, but I'm not going to live with you. And God moves back in with us. God moves back in with us. So that's the proof that the Egel was, 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 was a Torah. It's a beautiful explanation of the De'em. Now, once we say that, we have a beautiful explanation of Rabbeinu Bahya over here. But Maria says, on the Pasuk Mishkan, Mishkan. So that she sees over here that the word Mishkan is repetitious. Ele pikudeh Mishkan, Mishkan Aidut. The Pasuk could have just said, Ele pikudeh Mishkan Aidut. Why is it Mishkan, Mishkan Aidut? So that she comes along and tells us it's referring to the two Batim Mikdash that actually served as a Mashkon. That she takes the word Mishkan and flips the Nikudon around, and turns it into mashkon. And what is a mashkon? A collateral. What's the pshat of collateral? That Bore Olam uh, collateralized the two batim mikdash, and as a result, uh, took those batim mikdash away from us uh, during the times of the Hurban. As she says, Shnei Pe'amim, mishkan, mishkan, or actually, if you want to be more precise, Hamishkan, Mishkan. Rem is the Megdash Janet Mashkim Mishte Hurbanin Alavonotem Shil Yisrael. Right, little, uh, little uh, downer. You know, we were, we, it was strange that all of a sudden we, we, we were on the up over here, forgiven for the Egel, and now we're moving to Shekhinah, and all of a sudden the Torah gets in there and spoils the party, so to speak. And reminds us of the Hurban Batim Mikdash. Uh, I don't know. I like I like the direction to stay where where, where it's heading. It was, it was an optimistic direction. And the Pikudam Mishkan is the Mishkan of Mishkan Aidut. In the same place where you're telling me Hashem forgave us for the Egel, you reminded me that destroyed the Beta Mikdash. That's uh, you know, it sounds like it's uh, doesn't fit here. This belongs on the Shabbat. So I saw a beautiful explanation that they explain it like this. The Mishkan or the Batim Mikdash served as a, as she says, a collateral. Now what is a, what is a collateral? A collateral is, is that if you don't have, let's say, um, you need to borrow money, so therefore, what do you do? You give somebody a collateral. Now, when you give somebody a collateral, what is your intention? Your intention is to get it back. Correct. If you have no intention to get it back, then you just sell it. You just sell the item, take the money, and uh, pay your bill. So a collateral actually shows that there's still hope that there's going to be get, getting it back. So the Pasuk is coming to tell us the same theme over here. That even though B'nai Israel worshipped the Egel, and even though they did the biggest crime, Israel, you cannot undo the status of Israel. Israel remains forever. And the proof of the pudding is Mishkan HaMishkan. That the Mishkan was only collateralized, which means we didn't sell the Mishkan, we didn't sell the Bet Mikdash. The fact that was taken as a collateral, what is what is when I was holding it as a collateral now? What does it mean a collateral? We're going to get it back one day. It doesn't say that Borelam took the Beit HaMikdash and said, listen, you're in contempt. I'm selling the thing. Once it's sold, it's game over. The fact that God took it as a collateral, so now we're, 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 we're in arrears. So what do we have to do? We have to redeem the collateral. But that tells us what? That there's room to redeem the collateral. Am I there? So therefore, actually, it's a good thing. And it's in the same theme as what the beginning of the Pesach started. That once we accept Judaism upon us, it's eternal. Which means it's not going to, 
I, we're going to go through Hurban and Hurban Sheni, all temporary because of sins. But, the, I, I'll say it better, if I can say it better in a more time. The Egel teaches us what? That Yisrael always remains Yisrael. That you can never undo Yisrael. And Mishkan and Mishkan teaches us that that relationship with God is eternal. That means we can never break the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the proof of the pudding is, he just took the Mishkan as a collateral, implying what? That it will, it will come back. Although the relationship is strained from time to time, but that strained relationship is only a temporary situation. Yisrael is permanent, and the relationship ultimately will be restored as well. Understand the connection between the two. So it's a good thing. Mishkan HaMishkan is not a bad thing at all. It's actually the connection between Purim and Pesach. It says, Mishnechnas Adar, Marmim B'Simcha. So they say, what do you mean Mishnechnas Adar? And she says, Yemeh Simcha Yisrael Purim V'Pesach. Interesting. Now she already, when he saw Adar, he said Purim V'Pesach. What, what, what's Pesach? Adar Adar. It's, it's Mishnechnas Adar is Purim. Unless he was trying to tell you, maybe a side can do that. When there's two Adarim, the main Adar is the second Adar that's close to Pesach. So there was a Purim the Pesach. He's coming to tell you, it's the Purim the Pesach. That's, that's the main one. But he might be coming to tell you that the two events that happen in these two months are actually connected. The month of Nisan, we were born. That's when we became Israel. That's when the nation was born. Amzu Yatsar Tali. This is when we came out of Mitzrayim. God took us as a nation. And therefore, Am Yisrael becomes Israel. And what is it? What is Adar? What does Purim come and teach you? That even though B'nai Yisrael are going to sin, the nation is eternal. Which means, Lo Yasuf Mizar'am. It's Dor Dor. It's forever. Therefore, one, one part is what? We became Yisrael. But how long could it be lost? Purim comes along and says it cannot be lost. Even though we made the biggest sins, Borei Olam will never leave his nation. So therefore, it's Purim Pesa. It's two sides of a similar coin, which is basically the beginning of our Pesha as well. B'nai said that Cheta Egel, Mishkan Ha'edud. Borei Olam says it's restored. Aye, but don't think that you, you lost your status of Israel. No, nah, once you signed up, no backsies on that. Therefore, the Torah has to, has to come to you. And the proof of the pudding that there's no backsies is the relationship is also going to be forever. Because I only took the Mishkan for you as a collateral. If it's a collateral, that means you have a chance to get it right back. It's a beautiful, uh, upbeat uh, Musar of it. Charles, your light is on. It doesn't bother me, but I know that it probably bothers you. Okay, so now we have over here the following. But Abba'iyah writes, beautiful, he says, how many years was the first Beit HaMikdash? How long did it last? 410. If I'm not mistaken, 410? 410. If I'm not mistaken, no, no, the Mishkan lasted for whatever. The, the first Beit HaMikdash. So he says, I think he says that that's the numerical value of Mishkan. Okay, let's do it together, boys. Mem is how much? 40. And Sheen? 340. And Khafnun is 70. 410. So Mishkan equals 410. So therefore, now it would be great if Hamishkan, because we have two words here. Oh. If, the, if the Hamishkan would equal 420, which is the second Beta Mikdash. So let's see. Hamishkan is how much? You have 410 already, plus the five. So you have 415. Plus the letters. So he says plus the letters. So you have one, two, three, four, five. So then we have Hamishkan, Mishkan. It started from the second temple. You know, it started what we had last and then went backwards. So the Hatem Sufin comes along and says, eh, it's a squeeze. <laughs> Which means, he says, listen, the, 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 the first Mikdash, Mishkan, it's a beauty. It's uh, straight up, Mishkan 410. When it comes to the second event, the Mikdash, it's 415, and then you got to scramble to find five. So, okay, we scramble uh, five letters. But it's missing five. So he says, no, nah, it's not a squeeze at all. Because we know in the second Beit HaMikdash, there were five miracles that were missing from the first Beit HaMikdash. Wow. Oh. So therefore, 
the Torah wants to hint to us that even in the gematia, it's going to be missing. You're going to have to find the five somewhere else because there's going to be a, a major difference in the, in the, in, in the functioning of the Mishkan. So it's, it's minus five. They're going to go find the five somewhere else. So therefore, there's a difference even in the gematia to show you how, how, perfect, how perfect it is. Okay, so that's the beginning of the parasha, gentlemen. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pieces there. Haidut is the Mishkan. Mishkan Haidut. Haidut is 479? Haidut is 479. Wow. Okay, so there you go. So, ten Beautiful. Now, let's go to the end of the time because the time is short. We have over here... We have over here in Perek Mem. Now let's do this. Let's do this correctly one more time. Open up Perek Mem. If you have Chumashim over here, you'll benefit to see this stuff inside. Vaydaber Adonai Moshe Lemor. Beyom Hachodesh Adishon, Behad Lachodesh, Takim Et Mishkan Oel Moed. Which, again, without going too deep into it, the Mishkan was actually inaugurated on the first day of the month of Nisan. I'm not going into the Mahloket between the Rishunim over here. Was that the first day of the seven days? Or was that after the seven days of Miluim? There was seven days of preparation. Seven days of Miluim. So that she learns that Rosh Chodesh Nisan is the eighth day. That after the seven, which were done in the last week of Adar, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, that's when the Mishkan is operational, you know, uh, 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 as an official. Whereas the Ibn Ezra will learn that, no, the seven days actually start on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And therefore the inauguration is not really till the, till the eighth. Put that on the side, that's a separate Yes? Rabotai, I just need help reading this Pasuk. I know when you read it quickly, Okay, let's read the Pasuk, but. Beyom HaChodesh. Beyom HaChodesh, on the day of the month, Harishon, the first month, Behad HaChodesh. What is this? Beyom HaChodesh doing over here. Shouldn't it just say, Behodesh HaRishon, Behad HaChodesh? To me, it sounds like there's an extra word over here. Again, I would have written it, Behodesh HaRishon, Behad Like it always writes it, by the way. Whenever the Torah is writing dates, that's how it writes it. It gives you the, the month and the day of the month. Behodesh HaRishon, here it comes along and says, on the day of the month, Harishon, the first day, so I don't know what this, this Yom, of course it's the day of the month, you, you, you're telling me the day of the month in a second from now, the day of the month is Hadahodesh. so just how do you read the Pasuk al by the way, uh, Tommy, you have the English next to you? Yeah. Could you read me the English? See if they fixed it. On the day of the first new moon. Oh, that's the month, by the way. Don't be, don't be, don't, 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 don't be a wise guy. That, 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 means, that, means, that means the month. On the first of the month. Yes. You shall erect the tabernacle. Yes. So on the first of the month, you shall erect the tabernacle. On the first of which month? Don't say. Continue reading. Say, on the day of the first new moon. Oh, on the day of the first new moon, which is on the day of Nisan. On the first. On the first. It's, it's, it, by the way, it's even more complicated. So I, I don't think I'm going to be able to answer what the article did, but I'll be able to answer the, what the Bible did. So now, we bring the Meshach Chochmah into the picture. So to get the answer to this, we got to go all the way to Davinsk in order to see what the Meshach Chochmah has to say. <coughs> Abotai, the Meshach Ogma was great, great rabbi. 
there was a story once told about the Mishchokmah. It was told by a fellow called Isser Harel. Isser Harel was the first spy master for the Jewish people. I think he was the first head of Mossad. Big, uh, you know, big guy, Chiloni guy. But he lived in Dvinsk. And he once told a story about the Meshach Ochma. He said they were in Dvinsk once, and the waters of the town were overflowing, and we're going to inundate the whole town of Dvinsk. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, we didn't. We would have visited him. Minsk, maybe. Minsk is Belarus. Anyway, so he went, so he says, I was there, I was a kid, they called the Meshachachmah to come and uh, help the problem. So the Meshachachmah comes to the river, the river's coming over. So he tells the river, stop! And doesn't stop. Keeps on going, 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 going. So he takes to the river and says, listen, I'm the Meshachachmah, Me'ir Sema'a Kohen, and I'm the Madrada Atra, and I posek as the Marada Atra of the village, you have to stop. All of a sudden, the waters went down. Issahar El says, I was there as a kid. <laughs> Shock. The guy came and he put the water down. So Rav Gedalia Eisman said, the bigger miracle is not that the Meshach can pass in the waters to go down. The bigger miracle is he remained the Hiloni Issahar El. That's the bigger miracle. <laughs> he says, he saw the Meshach and the guy still remained, uh, you know, out, out of the fringe, out, out of the fold. That's a, said, that's a bigger miracle than the Meshach Okay, Of course, that's an easy trick for those rabbis. But to see it, not to, I mean, how stout-hearted could a person be? Anyway, the Meshach over here, that's <coughs> beautiful. I'm going to read it inside. It's one small little piece. Biyoma hodesh arishon be'echad lahodesh. Yipaleh. According to the language, first month, simple. Ah, so he says, very good. What does this word mean? What does it mean? means Yom HaChodesh is the way of saying the day of the Chodesh, which is a way of saying Rosh Chodesh. Like it says, he quotes in Shemuel, Vahiyah Chodesh, Mahar Chodesh. So Yom HaChodesh is the day of Rosh Chodesh. Vimken, miyutar lomar be'ahad la'chodesh. He says, guess what? You don't even have to write be'ahad la'chodesh. All you have to say is, Be'yom HaChodesh, Harishon. Be'yom HaChodesh means Be'rosh Chodesh of the first month, which is what? Aleph Nisan. He's even making a stronger question. He's saying, Be'yomah doesn't mean on a day of the month. It means the day of the new moon, like you read. So Mishra Kozma is saying, what are you doing over here? So he says, very important. He gives us a lesson in the Hebrew language, which is important to know, to know how to speak Hebrew. He says, sometimes you have the exact word, but the word has dual, dual meanings. So you really have to know which meaning is being used at what, at what moment. He said, let's take the example of uh, Yom. Yom can mean a day. A day meaning a 24-hour period. For example, I say, Yom HaShabbat. What do I mean when I say Yom HaShabbat? The 24 hours of, uh, of Shabbat. Or when I say Yom, it could mean the day as opposed to the night. Right? Yom Vedolayla. That's also a possibility. So how am I going to know when I say Yom, am I referring to the full day or am I referring to that interval of the day, the 12 hours of daylight? The only way you're going to know that is from context. So the Rav says, We're not going on the day, the 24 hour interval. No. 
It's coming to tell you, not the day, but it's coming to tell you that the Mishkan was built in the day as opposed to the night. Beyom. Beyom means during the day of the first month. Which day? Meaning daylight of the first month. Rishon. Yom HaChodesh doesn't mean Nosh Chodesh. Yom HaVeh means the time of the 24-hour period. Which time was the Mishkan built? Was it built in the Laila or was it built in the Yom? Go slow. That's the next question. And the Torah seems it very important to tell us, you should know, Rabbi Isai, the Bet, that's Rabotai, the, the Torah is telling you that it was built and erected in the day. Okay, now you can sleep. Because it was bothering Morris Rem all these years. Was it built in the day or was it built in the night? So the Torah goes out of its way and says, you should know, it was built in the day. And you come along and say, deal. What do I care? Do I care if they built it in the day, in the night? That's, that's, that's for the unions to discuss. That's not for us to, to care about. Says the Rav, no, you need to know it. Because, How do we know? That Hakamata Mishkan can only be built during the day. It's a halakha. You cannot build the Mishkan at night. Yeuyan perek bet de Shavuot. Open up Masechet Shavuot on that Yudalid. And you're going to see what? You're going to see that it's coming to tell us that Mishkan can only be built in the day. As the Gemara says, I'm quoting the Gemara. And binyan bet hamikdash balayla. You can't build the bet hamikdash balayla. The Amar Abaye, minayin she'en binyan bet hamikdash balayla. How do you know? Shneimar ubiyom hakim etam mishkan. Biyom mekimo balayla en mekimo. The Gemara proves that what you can't build it at night. So therefore, the Torah is coming to tell you a hadush. Read the pasuk like this. Beyom ha-chodesh. During the day, the daylight hours of the month. Which month? Chodesh Arishon. Which day of the month? Oh, we didn't say that yet. You thought that Yom ha-chodesh means Rosh No. Yom over here means day and not night. So in the day of the first month. In the daylight hours of the first month. Which day of the first month? Oh, why do I care? Because it's the halakha. And what's the halakha? The Bikdash must be built by day and not by night. Only problem is the Mishnah Chochmah, he confesses. He says, that's a nice Hiddush. And it's his Hiddush. reading in the Pasuk. But the Gemara doesn't use this as the source he says, go to the Gemara and you'll see that they sourced this law from a pasuk in Bamidbar. In the pasuk in Bamidbar, I quoted you. The pasuk says, Ubyom hakim etam mishkan. You have a Bamidbar in front of you? Tomer, open up perek tet, pasuk tet vav. And just read us the pasuk, which is the Gemara's source of building the mishkan or the mikdash by day. Very good. So the Meshach it seems, he says, I gave you a nice Hadush, but uh, it might not be right because the Gemara does not use my Pasuk as the source for the law. And especially, I mean, Pekudeh comes before Bamidbar. So, I mean, you bring the first Pasuk instead of the... So he says... Uh, uh, um, so he's bothered. But I have a footnote on the bottom of my Meshach And he comes along and he says, I can answer it. It's true what the Meshach is saying. Why isn't it the source Pasuk? Because this Pasuk over here is what? He says like this. 
that's what he says. No, 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 no. no. Gemara says Mishkan. Gemara says Mishkan. Same, the same, the same, the same, the same. The same, the same. He says, Hamaala miyuched v'shus rabenu he bekach. He says, the Mishkochmas pasuk is a, is a good pasuk. You know why? Shisignon pesukenu takim etam Mishkan hu zeshel tzivui. Here it's giving you the commandment takim etam Mishkan, which is when you're giving a commandment, now you're going to tell me takim when to do it. Beod be pasuk shebamidbar. Benosach besignon shel sipur. The the pasuk in Bamidbar is really just telling us a story, and therefore, I mean, although the Gemara brings the story pasuk, the footnote is saying the Mishnah Gomar sounds like he has a a better source for it, only because you'd rather learn the law from the commandment than from the from the story. And he comes along and he says that that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the issue over here. He says, although the Gemara doesn't bring it, but you can't just push away the Meshach Ogma's proof. It's a, it's a solid proof, and it might even be a more understandable proof because it's coming as a sivui as opposed to as a sipur. Now, on the footnote on the bottom, he references another Meshach Ogma, which is a classic. Let's go back to Parashat. Tomet, you're going to read for us. Get to the story of the ladder. George, remember the story they did teach you in the university, Jacob and the ladder? So we're going to review the story of Jacob and the ladder, which was in the, uh, which was in the dream. No, go, stop, stop. Okay. <coughs> okay, the dream, the ladder, continue. Continue. <coughs> Beauty. So what does that mean? He woke up. He wakes up from his sleep. And what does the Pasuk say? I didn't realize it's such a holy place. I didn't realize what's going on over it. This is a holy place. Beautiful. Now what? This is a Makoma Magdash. This is the Makoma Magdash. Wow, unbelievable. The fact that I had such a prophecy, I can't sleep in such a place. He wakes up. Manora, continue. Whoa, slow down, slow down. He's up already. He skipped the Pazuka or something? Over here he says, Vayashkem Yaakob Baboker. Well, obviously he didn't go back to sleep because he just said, <laughs> if you read Rashi, even he says, he says, but you catch Yaakov and he says, and then it comes on and says, and what did he do in the morning? He took the rock that was behind his uh, head, because he was sleeping on the rocks, if you remember that. And he made a matseva, like a monument, and he poured oil on it. Strange type of ritual there, but he does. Now, we know that if, you, if you're reading the parashiot, like we read them, boys, we've been doing this every week, taking this special oil, which is the Shemin HaMeshcha, and we've been consecrating all the vessels of the Bet HaMikdash. Now, where did this come from? We have a rule, Ba'ase Avot, Siman Labanim. Which means, what do you think? Didn't stop by us. The first one to make Mishihat Kelim in the Beit HaMikdash was who? Yaakov Avinu. Oh, says the Meshach Ochmah. He woke up in the middle of the night, but he couldn't make the Mishihah because En Bonim Mikdash Balayla. So the Pasuk has to say he waited till the morning 
And once the morning came, then he did it. So that's the mekor of how you know it started not from, from, from the Mishkan. It starts from Yaakov Avinu. He's got to wait. So by Ashkem, he, he didn't go back to sleep. He came, he got up. He was really telling him the rest of the night. And he got up. And then he waited to the book end. And then once the morning came, now he could make the Mishihah. Because that's a deen in Binyana Mikdash. One line he says, wow. So that just makes this derash, uh, you know, so beautiful uh, um, that you see that the Torah, it's a, it's a, it's a very important mahalach, the Meshachachmah. Everything that the Avot were doing is halacha. Satstam. So were, he understands that all of the dinim that we learn in Shas, the Avot kept all of that already. So he's not going to say, oh, we always, when we were young, they taught us, the Avot were above the law. They did what they wanted to do because, you know, they, you know, they didn't have to follow it. So he marries two sisters and he can do this and they have to keep that. Hazbun Shalom. The Avot kept the Torah before it was given. Before you have to read the Pesukim and everything they do is shimush tamid hachamim. Imagine you were you had an apprentice next to a rabbi. So everything he's doing, you're learning. Rabbi, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Everything, everything has a kabana. So if a rabbi in our generation does things with kabana, you have to assume a thousand million times more that when the avot behaved, everything was done because of a halachic consideration. And therefore, if Yaakov Abinu doesn't put the oil on the rock at night and he waits till the morning, hey. Why not? What happened to the Magdimim Ah, because Yaakov's coming to set a precedent. And the precedent is what? Et bonim mikdash balayla. And that precedent would come true in Parashat Pikudeh. Parashat Pikudeh, when we see that the uh, Mishkan was inaugurated, Torah goes out of its way to say, Ubiyom, beyom ahodesh, velo balayla shela hodesh, she'en bonim mikdash elabayom. Now he does bring. A second answer, the Meshach Chokmah, to answer the Bayom. We'll just read the second answer. The second answer is where he says, Iname, Mechuvan, Biyom Ahodesh Arishon, She Kiviut Ahodesh, Ye Biyom Arishon Le Shabbat, Velo Yaavruhu. Which means what? Kilomar. Me'achar v'rosh chodesh haya amur lechol, lechol b'yom rishon b'shavua. When was rosh chodesh nisan of that, uh, of that year? So it was on a Sunday. Hekpida Torah shelo ya'avruha. Sometimes you can make what? An ibur. Which means why you add an extra day to the month. Afilu apia kalim shel ibur ha'chodesh. And therefore, he comes along and he says, just according to the simple uh, uh, explanation, he, he, he shows you how it was on that, that day over there. So the Pasuk is coming to say that what? Bayom Rishon le Shabbat. Meaning, Bayom Rishon is referring to Sunday. It's telling you the day of the week, which means Rosh Chodesh is going to be on a Sunday. And we want you to inaugurate it on that day and not add an extra day and push it, let's say, to Monday. So I just tell you the first day of Rosh Chodesh as opposed to the second day of Rosh Chodesh. That's, that's the view, because you could have, you could have B'Sheni. Rosh Chodesh has two days. The so, day exactly, the both, exactly. The day that it's supposed to fall out on, that's the day I want you to do it. Because Rosh Chodesh can be the following day. So says, no, no, no. Beyom, which means, again, Beyom Arishon. Like it says later on, they're going to tell us it was the first day of the week, meaning it was on a Sunday. Very, very nice. Okay. No, he doesn't get impressed from, from this. Although, okay. Correct. Now watch this, Sabotai. Now we come along and say a little word of uh, Musa. So that was a technical. Okay, that's technical stuff. It was beautiful. Again, if we're not going to take time to read the text and st- go ask most guys in the street, how'd you learn this pasuk? Don't be to eat them. It's Minash Chodesh. Finish. Leave us alone. Okay. You don't be to eat them, but we're learning pasukim over here. It's, uh, we have to learn the word of God. 
Look how much we learned from this over here. And we can connect it to Yaakov and it's all the measure of Chumah. So the last, the last point that we have over here to offer this morning is Musar. It's a Musar from the great Urahim HaKadosh. In Kamon. They told me now, one of the rabbis, Rabbi Adeh, said that there's a big movement in Israel that's starting to learn Urahim HaKadosh. And he started a kolel at the grave of the Urahim HaKadosh. Every Thursday night, they get 18 rabbis and they learn the whole Urahim HaKadosh ala parashah kasedir by the kever. And they have food, and they have lights, and they have the whole thing over there. So I was invited when we go to Israel to participate in that, uh, and maybe give a derash on that, because we're giving Urahim HaKadosh now. So therefore, I'm looking forward to that. He's buried on Harris team. So it's not anymore that they visit him only on the yard side. That's every Thursday night there's a tent over there teaching Orachim HaKadosh and learning it. Could you imagine Nahatruah of the Tzaddik by his grave, the whole parashah cover to cover? It's fantastic. Oh, you saw it? You saw the... Oh, you by the grave? Yes, you showed me. Yeah, beautiful. So he says that Orachim HaKadosh, we know the rules. There's a difference between the word Ele and Ve'ele. Ele comes to tell us what? This as opposed to something else, as opposed to that. It's a restrictive word. Ele, this, but not that. Ve'ele is vav mosif. Not only this, but also that. Now, this is the perasha where we're counting money. We're counting gold. We're counting silver. We're counting copper. It's all counting money, precious stones. So the pasuk is coming to say, When you're counting money, this is the money that you shall count, as opposed to counting other money, which you should not count, because by counting other money, you're showing importance to it and credence to it, and it doesn't have importance. What is he referring to? When it comes to Mishkan money... Shkan money is called Deshus Mitzvah, Sedakah money. That's eternal. That's money worth counting because that money over there is permanent. It's a good investment because it's going to last forever. The Mishkan lasted forever. So, therefore, you want to count money, it should be in the realm of Pikudeha Mishkan because it's Mishkan Aedut. This is the Mishkan of testimony between us and God. But do not spend your time counting your personal assets. That already, because he says, first of all, money has many names. The Midrash explains the names of money. One of the names of money is what? Nechasim. Why is it called Nechasim? Nechasim comes from the word to cover. Because sometimes Borei Olam covers a person's money from him and reveals it to somebody else. Money doesn't always stay in the same person's uh, pocket. That's why he says money is called zuzim. Zuzim means what? It's always moving. It's that. So therefore, you're counting something that you don't even know if it's going to be by you tomorrow morning. It's not saying that if you have to pay a bill, don't count the $52 to pay your electric bill. It just means that some people, they put their focus on their money and their assets and all the pikudir that they're doing is what? On their money. Pay more attention to your spiritual assets. Those are something that's worth counting because that counting, is going to be a permanent. It says, to reject all other countings of the world, all other reckonings. Because whatever person is going to count from the kinyanim, he calls them midumim, the, the false or the fake or the mirage. In minyan or minyan. And then he says a beauty. Ushmo more alav. The name of money actually tells you its nature. Money is called mamon. And he says, why is it called mamon? Because mamon is like a rashet tevot. Ma ata What are you counting? 
What are you counting? How much time is you going to count the same water bills over there? What are you, when you count, by the way, you're counting something that you're not taking with you anyway. So what are you making such a fuss? And the Gemara says that only you count Dabar Hashuv. Dabar Hashuv, that's already considered Dabar Shibim Minyan. But sometimes it's not Hashuv. Does not consider the Vashu Minyan. So he says, Ushmo More Alab, Ma Atamone, Ava Minyan Ze, the Mishkan, Omed Le Olam, Vataam, Liot Minyan, a Mishkan of Vashu, Shechan Shamashem, Shechinaz there, Shechinaz eternal. So therefore, it's a great Pusan. It, the Pasuk is coming to tell you, don't get, of course you have to have a, you know, a, a, a responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility, but it means don't get so caught up in the, in the Pekudeh Mamon, Pekudeh Mishkan. But then he goes on to say, another explanation why the Torah uses Ele Anad Ve'ele. Based on what we learned from Rashi in the beginning of this class, that what's the Mishkan a testimony to? It's a testimony that God forgave us for Hetaegel. And we know that when a person makes Teshuvah, he has to make what's called Teshuvat HaMishkal. That you have to try to rectify the sin in order to reset the Avon in a positive way. And what was the first thing the Jewish people said to the Egel? Ele Elohecha Yisrael. And therefore, when we want to make the tikkun of Ele Elohecha Yisrael, the Parashah, the Mishkan, must begin with the same Ele. We turned Ele Elohecha Yisrael into Ele Pekudeh HaMishkan. That is considered Teshuvah HaMishkan. And he says, the monies that we went and we gave so eagerly for the Mishkan, for the Egel, we now had to run and give gold more eagerly in order to build the uh, uh, Mishkan. And the same Egel, that what? That we brought sacrifices in front of? Now we needed to build the Mishkata and a Mizbeah in order to bring the sacrifices to God. And therefore, everything that's happening in the construction of the Mishkan is actually a rectification, word for word. And finally, he says, that the purpose of the building of the Egel was what? To make it a resting place for a synthetic, fake, man-made God. Now go build the Mishkan for the real God Emet. Hashem wa Elohim was Eloke Emet. Mamash, the same thing, but Latov. The Mishkan serves as a, the Egel served as a what? As a, as, as, as a structure to bring foreign gods. And therefore go build a structure and invite, not God forbid, the foreign gods, but it should be for the God who is the Elohim Emet. And therefore, they receive the total rectification. So that she is, again, correct what he says in the beginning. Mishkana edut. It is edut that B'nai Yisrael, when God forgave them, when we forgave them, not for nothing, because they went and made what's called the Shuvat Okay. Okay.